You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. We are getting you ready for another week of Seahawks football. Welcome to the podcast, Jen Mueller and John Boyle with you. And John, it was a little odd not having football last week to prepare for. And I'm going to be honest, my bi-week activity was way harder than preparing for a game. I am not doing that again. How successful was your bi-week? Uh, relatively, you know, got, got a little golf in and a little beer in and, uh, a lot of work around the house, which was not as fun, but needed to be done. So that's good. I'd, I'd call it overall success, if not the most exotic, exciting bye week. Well, there is that. Mine was very successful, but it did take two full days of laying floor. Somehow I tricked myself into thinking I'll be done before the second game start on Sunday. Those projects never go as fast as you It was nowhere close. Like the Sunday night game ended and I was wrapping up the work for the weekend. So it's so much easier to be back watching football, talking football. And for the Seahawks, you know, our bye weeks were uneventful. But John, it was interesting to hear Pete Carroll talk about this bye week. It was certainly uneventful for the team. They weren't allowed to go anyplace. And it might have paid off in different ways than we've seen in the past. Yeah, I mean, he he looks at it as, I think his phrasing was, it might have been their most productive bye week because guys, unfortunately, could not go on vacation, could not go home and see family. So they were here, which they still get the time off, but that means they're more likely to come into the building and rehab. They're, you know, they're just available more to study. And yeah, I mean, they you get the benefit of the bye of getting guys rested, but you also get them around and keeping them ready to go. So as Pete Carroll said, the, the Monday bone that usual, or excuse me, that bonus Monday practice is usually to kind of get work off the, the rust and get guys going again after they've been away. And this time he said they were just rearing to go and, and it was a good practice. Well, and you know, when we first looked at the schedule, when it came out in the spring, you wonder if a week six buy is too early. You know, ideally, you might like to have it a couple of weeks in. And then you saw the injuries to Jamal Adams. You saw the opportunity to maybe get a couple of guys back. But, John, I'm also wondering if it didn't come at the perfect time for a little self-scouting, right? And and making sure that they restarted the season fairly early. Yeah, for sure, especially when you look at the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we have seen some encouraging steps on defense the last two games after they gave up all those big plays and points the first three weeks. So, you know, if if everything's going great and you feel like you're just in a perfect rhythm, then maybe you want that by later to, to get the rest later in the season. But to your point, yeah, if, if you're identifying some issues on defense that are needing to be cleaned up, that's a lot easier to do with the buy in week five versus trying to make those adjustments after this tough stretch of games they have coming up. Well, and the tough stretch of games is division opponents, right? And you've been talking to players about this all week. You know, the NFC West for years, for the last few years anyway, has definitely been known as a, um, let's say, very physical division. This year, it is the best division. And Pete Carroll says, you know, there's no doubt that's showing up in the stats and on the film. I think this is as tough as it gets. I don't know that anybody's got to play, you know, a, a 
road teams like this. And so we'll have a we'll a month from now, you know, we'll have a pretty good feel for how everything's fitting. It's exciting to see the division, you know, come back around like this. You know, it, it, we've seen it go kind of up and down over the years, and, and uh, it always seems to keep coming back strong, and we're strong again. Everybody can play football. In fact, the NFC West leads the league in wins, in points scored, and in fewest points allowed. So it could be a dogfight on both sides of this one when you look at offense and defense. What was the general reaction you were getting from the players this week? Well, you know, there's a mix of, you know, to some degree, it's always we take every game the same and all of that. But to Pete Carroll's point, it's you're going to know a lot more, not just about the Seahawks, but about how this whole division stands after all these teams start playing each other more. Um, you know, it, it's four four division games in the next five weeks. They play all three division teams in that span. And then the one non-division game is a first place Buffalo Bills team. So it's a really tough stretch Seahawks have coming up. Um, it is interesting to me, as Pete Carroll mentioned, kind of the division going up and down. Just about, there's been a few exceptions, but just about every year over the last decade, there's always been two good teams in the division. You look at, there's usually been two playoff teams. The Seahawks have almost always been one of them. And then some years they're battling with the Rams, some years the Cardinals, some years the 49ers. And this year, it's, I mean, all four of these teams look like legitimate playoff contenders, and we just haven't seen that. There's usually been two good teams and maybe two not-so-good teams, and it's it's four really tough teams. Well, and I do think, so coming into the year, I'm thinking the 49ers are the team to beat, yeah. right? For Defend, obvious yeah, reasons, defending right? defending NFC champs. Yeah, and then you see how many injuries they're hit with. And I know that they're close to getting some key players back. So that could look, that team could look entirely different when the Seahawks play them in a couple of weeks. Exactly. You know that the Rams can put up a lot of points, right? And yet for some reason, well, I know the reasons why, it is the Cardinals team that worries me most right now. Yeah. I cannot be alone in this. Oh, no. I mean, I, I was saying this going back to, you know, when we talked about the division back at the draft. It's once they add DeAndre Hopkins and they go out and draft some really talented guys and you mix in a second-year quarterback who's just starting to hit a stride and he's he's only going to get better throughout this year. It, that's a scary team right now. They've got playmakers all over defense. They're number two in the NFL in scoring defense. So, it, I mean, it just there's no easy games when you go through this schedule. It's tough. Well, and of course, it is top of mind what they can do because of what we just saw them do on mm -hmm. Monday night. Cardinals couldn't have done much more to catch your attention than what they did uh, Monday night. They, they look great, and uh, they're, they're red hot and explosive and fired up and all of that, and, and uh, we better get our game right uh, to have a chance. You can't watch this team without watching Kyler Murray and seeing what his, his effect on the game. Uh, he's, he's a game changer, uh, athleticism, poise, playmaking ability and all of that and, and you know they've got guys around him so they do have guys around him you mentioned deandre hopkins right now he leads the nfl with 47 receptions for 601 yards now here's the deal it's not like he's getting as many targets or as many receptions in the game as perhaps dk metcalf has gotten the last few days but yet kyler murray throws a nice deep ball and i believe one of his receptions on monday night was for 60 yards right so there is this threat with kyler and then of course he is the third player in nfl history with 30 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns in the first 25 games of his career so when you talk about a dual threat quarterback kyler murray certainly has that before we hear pete carroll's assessment of kyler murray John, which part of his game stands out more to you? I mean, right now, I think the running 
not that he's not a good passer, but the running is just more unique. You know, there's there's a lot of good passers around this league, but really, other than maybe Lamar Jackson, there's no quarterback that runs like Kyler Murray. The elusiveness, just the straight speed. He is, though, I you know, I don't say that to make it just sound like he's a runner. He throws an incredible deep ball. He's got a huge arm. So I, the, the arm talent is maybe still catching up. He's not, you know, you look at his passing numbers, they're not overwhelming this season, but... Um, what he can do to a team with his legs on top of his ability to beat you with with his arm, it's pretty scary. Well, and Quandre Diggs talked about how he will never overlook the fact that Murray has a great deep ball ability, both of them coming out of the state of Texas. Quandre has watched him his entire high school, college career when he was at Oklahoma. But yet Murray completed nine of 24 passes on Monday. That 7.5 completion rate was even lower than in his rookie debut. To me, you're seeing a guy who's more decisive when he runs and maybe doesn't make as strong a decision when he throws. And I have not watched enough games to know how much of that is on his receivers, the coverage, the actual throws. But let's hear Pete Carroll's assessment of Kyler. He really presents ultimate challenges. Um, there's only a, you know, a, a couple guys like him that, that are playing this league be, because of the, the explosive speed that you see. This year, more than last year, he just looks more in command of the game, making really good choices to take advantage of his ability to run. He's averaging 11 yards a scramble, you know, so he, that's really huge numbers. He's had some big plays uh, with, with those opportunities. So, um, and he's really smart about it. He does a really good job of not getting hit. He's, you can barely lay a glove on the guy. And so he's got great awareness about it, you know, what he can do and what he can get away with and all that. And he's really difficult. I he like, does lead oh, all quarterbacks, excuse me, in rushing yards. What do you like about that comment? And I hope you don't say I just like Kyler Murray. No, although he is fun to watch. It's P, like Pete Carroll's earlier comment, you can't watch him without watching this guy. I, the thing I like about what Pete Carroll said, not necessarily from a Seahawks standpoint, but for Kyler Murray, is the way he's smart as a runner. And that reminds me of what we talk about Russell Wilson so often. There's there's always that initial reaction of, oh, this quarterback runs, he's going to get hurt, it's not sustainable. We've seen Russell Wilson do it throughout his career because he doesn't take the hits. You can still be an effective runner, and you're going to get hit some. It's a, it's football. That's a violent sport. But compared to some of the guys, quarterbacks we've seen with injury problems who just take unnecessary contact, Russell Wilson avoids it so often, and that's what Pete Carroll said about Kyler Murray as well. Is uh, you know he'll maybe take a hit when he needs to get that extra yard for first down, but more often than not, he's just going to avoid getting touched. And I, I do think there might be an element of that dual sport background both those guys have of they know how to get down, just the awareness of kind of being a well-rounded athlete that really helps them in those situations. You know, I was just about to say that there is a little bit of that baseball background that you see. And I've talked to Jim Zorn about this, actually. And John, I don't know if you remember this. This was several years ago in training camp. Slip Jim Zorn trying to teach Matt Hasselbeck how to slide. Yeah. And right. Then- and so and it's not that Matt couldn't. It just it didn't seem natural. And so they had the slip and slide out. And I think when you are already natural at that as a baseball player would be, I think it's easier for you to be smart about running because you know exactly how much time it takes to get down. You're not hesitating. You can just do it. Yeah, it's one of those things that if you grow up doing it, it's a very natural thing. And if you ask a grown man who's never slid before to go do it, it's a very awkward thing. So. Yeah, I think you know we, we hear about it over and over throughout sports of how much, you know, there's so much specialization in sports, and I'm going off on a tangent now, but how much these guys with the well-rounded backgrounds, it can help them in whatever sport they end up in. And 
We see it all the time with Russell Wilson, whether it's throwing off platform on the run or the ability to slide. It's It helps that he's done a lot of different sports. I'm also just going to say this as a total aside. You can try to learn how to slide on a slip and slide as an adult, and you will find that a slip and slide is not comfortable as an adult. No. It might be easier to slide on that than anything else. And you will still feel it the next day. You mean day. to tell me if I go out and do that at 40 years old, it won't be as fun as it was in my grandma's backyard it's, when I was a little kid? It's probably going to feel different the next day, John. All right. That's, that's what I've learned. That's, that is what I've learned. Okay. Now, for all the talk of Kyler Murray, I wonder, though, if his ability run to run actually plays right into the strength of the Seahawks defense. I know that, is a, that it is a tough task, but when you look at the breakdown of that defense, is there a chance, or maybe I should rephrase that question too, how good of a chance is there that Seattle can take that part of the Cardinals offense away? I mean, I don't think you take it away entirely. Just between Murray and Kenyon Drake, there's there's too much talent in their running game and they're they're pretty committed to it. I, I don't think this is a team you, you know, hold the 70 rushing yards, but it, it's a good test of we saw four weeks of Seahawks didn't get run on very often, but when teams tried to run, they couldn't run the ball against Seahawks. And then against Minnesota, the Vikings had a lot of success, rushed for 200 yards. Their backup running back had over 100 yards. So this game and really this stretch against the NFC West will be pretty telling of which run defense is the Seahawks. Are they the run defense that was really good for four weeks or that struggled a little little bit against Minnesota because they're going to face some good rushing attacks starting with kind of this dual threat of quarterback and running back? Well, and look, I know that we've talked about the yards the defense has given up. And yes, they do lead the league, the Seahawks defense, in most yards allowed. But they also rank 18th in points allowed. So when you start looking at the number, I'm going to say that arguably matters more. The Seahawks are much more in line with what we're seeing teams around the league do. And having said that, Arizona is actually one of the best defenses in the league, even though they are playing without a couple of their key players, Buda Baker more than makes up for that on the highlight reel. Yeah, we really liked him. Um, you know, we saw him grow up here, you know, and, and uh, he was just such a natural, instinctive football player. Just It, it just was clear that the, the size factor that, that might have, you know, deterred some people was, was just not the consideration. He's just too good. He's become a fantastic factor, and, and uh, we have to know where he is and, and make sure that we're aware of him because he's making plays everywhere. Yeah, I mean, th- this is a guy that, Obviously, everyone here knows well, Bellevue High School, University of Washington, and he was the NFC Player of the Week last week and was just awesome. And when they, you know, they lost their best pass rusher in Chandler Jones and they need to make up for it in other areas and having a a playmaker like that on the back end has been huge for them. It's, uh, I know a lot of Seahawks fans want to look back at that draft. We won't go into the details and say they should have taken him. But, um, you know, in retrospect, they didn't, and the Arizona Cardinals made a great pick, and now now you got to deal with them this week. Yes, you do. And I would like to point out, this game being in Arizona is really interesting. There has been zero home field advantage for the Cardinals in the last several meetings since 2013. Arizona is 0-6-1 against Seattle. The other way to say that is Seattle has won those games in Arizona since 2013, minus that tie. um, And something fluky always seems to happen in Arizona. I I mean, I remember getting on the bus and the plane and just thinking like, what, what just happened in that game? Yeah. 
things tend to get weird down there. I mean, the 6-6 six, six tie is the most uh, obvious example of it. But to, to your point, the, the no home field advantage, that's really gone both ways in this series. Russell Wilson, it, the last time they lost there was Russell Wilson's first NFL game, which seems like forever ago. But on the flip side, Arizona keeps coming up here and winning a lot of games. So it's it's just a weird series all around, and I expect nothing less on Sunday. And I'm wondering if we can expect to see Snacks Harrison out there on Sunday. That would be a boost for the defense. And the Seahawks also signed Michael Kendricks to the practice squad. He participated in practice for the very first time since suffering that ACL injury last week. And there's a chance he can provide some depth and he could provide some help for that D. Well, Michael's a really good ball player, and uh, we, we, we thought he did uh, great stuff for us in the past, um, had a huge injury, has done a marvelous job of returning. Um, right now, you know, this is the first day that he's practiced, you know, since he got hurt. So uh, we're going to take it slow and make sure that, you know, Mike's gets enough time to get going again. Then we'll see where he fits in. He's, he's uh, versatile. Uh, he's going to start you know, at, at his, his best spot at will and, and get, get in there and see how he does there, knowing that he can play the Sam spot. and. Uh, we used him all over the place when he, when he was here so in the last couple of years. So we're, we're really excited to get him back. I really like the way the Seahawks, we've seen this with other teams, but the Seahawks are utilizing these new practice squad rules of, in the past, if you wanted to go at a veteran midseason, you're signing a guy who's probably not ready to play and taking up a roster spot for a week or two, or you might kind of rush him out on the field when he isn't as fully in shape as he should be. Now you can bring a guy in for, for fans who haven't been paying attention. Teams are allowed to have 16 players on the practice squad this year, six of whom can be veterans with any amount of experience. So you bring a guy in like Snacks, you bring a guy in like Michael Kendricks, and now you can ease him along a little bit, get him up speed, and then add him to the roster when they're ready. With Kendricks in particular, as Pete Carroll just said, he's a really versatile player. He's played more of that off-ball, weak side, middle linebacker in his career Last year, they put him at strong side linebacker, and he was great there. So it's just another talented guy to give you a lot of depth and potential playmaking ability. And then, you know, you kind of bring him along at, at the rate he needs. And when he's ready, he's a guy you can plug right in and he can help you. Before I get your final thoughts going into the week, I do want to mention, so... Every time we've asked about Snacks Harrison, right? We're trying to figure out if he's ready to go. This is his first full week of really contact practice because mm-hmm. the Seahawks, before the bye, they, they'd eased up a little bit. So the first word that has everybody has said is big. Yes. He is a big man, right? No question. He is a run stuffer. And then Pete used the word <laughs> svelte to describe him earlier this week. And he has switched his number. So I was watching at practice the other day. He's got a number in the 50s. It's odd. Which looks a little <laughs> ridiculous. Yes. And I found myself thinking it actually makes him look thinner. It does. It's certain numbers. Do you are... buy into numbers yes, that do that? Absolutely. You put a guy in like number. 51, like Bruce Irvin in number 51, and then you put them in 68. It just looks different. And there are certain numbers you just associate with big guys. And yeah, I, it's, it is odd seeing a 350 pound defensive tackle in a number we usually see on linebackers or pass rushers. But hey, if that makes him a little more svelte and ready to go, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. 
It is pretty funny to watch. Okay, before we wrap up, we need the two things that the Seahawks have to do on Sunday to extend their record to 6-0. and John, what will it be? We just talked a lot about the running game Arizona has. I don't really care how you do it, but keep them in check one way or another. And let's say maybe about 140, 150 total rushing yards. And whether that's you shut Kyler Murray down and Drake gets his or vice versa, but you can't let both those guys you know, have a big, you know, I think they had 200 some yards between them last week. You can't have that kind of game. And then offensively, we just talked about how tough this, you know, Buda Baker and that secondary can be. You know, they got Patrick Pearson, who's still a great player out there. I don't know how they're going to match up with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. So I'm not going to put it on one guy, but I want to see between those two guys, some big production, Russell Wilson getting his guys and let's call it, you know, a, an average quote unquote day for Russell Wilson. So Give me three touchdown passes and don't turn the ball over and some big plays from those pass catchers. I'm going to stick with my theme of special teams because they have been so good at keeping that long field in play for the opponent. So I'm going to say, let's keep that going. And red zone defense, the Cardinals have been one of the best teams in the league at scoring in the red zone. They're scoring touch scoring touchdowns 80% of the time. The only team that is better than the Cardinals. I know the answer. That would be the Seahawks. (laughs) Yes. So how about if we make it difficult and uh, limit their touchdowns in the red zone, we'll frustrate them. Uh, Field goals if necessary, but maybe a few big defensive stops down there. Those will be our keys. We will check in to see how John and I did predicting what it would take to win the game when we join you again next week.